Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. of a message series entitled The Samson Syndrome. And so if you're just joining with us, let me kind of catch you up into speed. We started this last week with a question and uh, we talked specifically about what's your purpose. Because uh, last week we looked at the life of a man by the name of Samson who was brought into this world specifically for a purpose. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ follower in this room, you have a purpose. God has a specific plan and a purpose for your life. And so as you live your life, the question for you to ask is, God, what's my purpose? And am I fulfilling the purpose that you have placed within me? Now, the truth of the matter is we're going to step in to the first part of Samson's life today. We're going to continue his story. And we're going to take a look at the character of Samson because you're going to be able to see specifically uh, his decisions in a moment and get a good idea of what is really important to Samson. Um, but as we do, the question that I kept rising in my mind is, um, God, as I look at the life of Samson, as he makes decisions, and you're going to see in a moment he's going to make some pretty bad decisions, um, why is he making such bad choices? Why does he sit there and choose this? God, I can read this sentence and know this is not good. Why is he stepping into it, God? And then God, of course, speaks back to me and says, Well, Terry, have you ever made any bad decisions? Yeah. Have you ever been in a place where whether it's at your workplace or whether it's at home, where all of a sudden you have a moment, a moment that happens where a decision has to be made, and right after you make the decision, five seconds later you said, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, insert foot in the mouth. Gosh, I do that every time. Oh, why do I do this? Oh, it's so hard for me. Have you ever had a friend look at you and say, why do you always do that? I don't know. Decisions are tough, aren't they? And we're going to talk specifically in the moment of a decision. We're going to talk about discernment. You know, Albert Einstein, one of the most brilliant individuals in mankind, he once had a statement when it comes to discernment and humanity. Take a look at this. Only two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. We fall into moments as human beings where inevitably we make dumb decisions. And if you're new to Christianity or if you're just reading the Bible, whether you're in the balcony or you're in the back today, God doesn't want us to make poor choices. He really has a plan for us to make wise choices. In fact, in our kids' area, we say that all the time. You need to make the wise choice because that's what God's about. So whether you're a Christian or not, today we're going to talk about those choices and how God has a specific pattern and a specific way that we can glean into to help us to make wise choices. So in order to do that, we've got to unpack Samson. So let me catch you up to speed. Samson's parents prayed out and cried out to God because they wanted to have a child. Things were going so bad for the Israelites that God went ahead and blessed them and said, not only are you going to have a child, but I have a specific purpose for this child. And this child is set apart for my purpose and is going to help my people during such a time. And so Samson's going to have to do a lot of things that I want him to do for me. But you're going to see here in the first few sentences that Samson is not going to make 
the wise choice. Take a look. This is Judges chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. I'll say this too. You can use your iPads, your iPhones. We also have the YouVersion Bible app. You can follow along there. And if you're looking at people that are using their iPhones, they're not surfing Facebook. I promise that that would be rude, especially when I'm up here speaking. Um, So don't judge them. That would be rude too. No, I'm just teasing. But if you have your iPads, iPhones, you can follow along with me. Judges 14, 1 through 3. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Now let me give you some context. A long time ago in Scripture, God warned the Israelites and said, Hey, don't marry women or men who are from other tribes or areas, especially the Philistines. Because the Philistines, in case you didn't know this, they don't like me. They don't believe in me. They're anti-me. In fact, they're out to destroy anybody who wants to believe in me. So don't dare intermarry with them. Because before you know it, they will snuff out and kill all of you. And so this is a pattern. The Israelites know this. Samson knows this. But he sees a Philistine woman. Get her for me. This is what his father and mother say. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you can marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But you're going to see in a second how Samson replies. Right off the bat, you see Samson's character. He's walking along. He sees a young Philistine hottie and says, I want her. And he comes back to mom and dad. He said, mom and dad, I've seen her. I've seen the person I want for the rest of my life. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Now, a lot of us look at that and say, what is going on? What what kind of character does Samson have? But some of you have been in similar situations. There are some parents in this room where you have poured into your kids and you have just said, oh, God, I just pray, I pray, I pray that when they go out and when they go searching for their husband or their wife, that they make the wise choice that they find someone with great character, great integrity, someone that's going to lead them closer to you, God. And then all of a sudden you get that phone call, Mom and Dad, that says, Mom and Dad, I found the woman of my dreams. She'll be out of prison in three years, but I promise she has great character. And you're, no. And what do you do at that moment? Some of you say, over my dead body, some of you say, well, son, let's have a conversation. But here's the truth. What happened to discernment? Samson was set apart by God and Samson's walking along. Samson knows that he is chosen by God for a purpose. And he's walking down the road. He sees a beautiful woman who is not of God's tribe. And he says, I want her. If you're a note taker, I've said this before and I'll say it again. And we're going to break it down a little bit more. In the moment of a decision, we need discernment. When we lack discernment, there are three outcomes that can be affected with a lack of discernment. When you don't have discernment in a moment, when you don't employ, and we're going to talk about it, wise choices in the moment, three things become affected. Here's number one. The first thing is your faith. The first thing that becomes affected is your faith. Samson is walking on the road, and he sees a woman who doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in his God, doesn't believe in his purpose, his plan, and because he desires her, he is willing in that moment to sacrifice his faith. His, in other words, faith is trusting God. In that moment, he wasn't trusting God. He was trusting in what he 
desired. In fact, he should have known, and if you know the Bible very well, he was told specifically, and this is where it comes from, Deuteronomy 7, 3 in the moment. You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters. Samson, you know better. Don't intermarry. And so in that moment of decision, when he desired her more than God, his faith was affected. How many of us do that every day? How many of us say, God, I know this isn't right. I know this isn't true. But you know what, God? Let me illustrate this another way. Let's take an easy one. Gossip. There are many of you that would not disagree and say gossip is wrong. You don't like it when people talk about you behind your back. You don't like gossip. But many of you in this room have gone and you've got three friends or your girlfriends or your, your guy friends and you walk up and you're like, oh, I know something that they don't know. Oh, I can't wait to tell them. And then right away it hits you in the moment of decision. Wait, I sh- that's gossip. I shouldn't do this. And then here's what we do. Watch what we do. I'll just, here's what I do sometimes. I'll just be honest. Here's what I do. Well, I, I shouldn't, I, sh- I shouldn't say, well, but they're going to love it. They would love to know this. All right. I won't use the name. I'm not going to use the name. So then I talk in general. And if I talk in general, then I'm not gossiping about someone. I'll just talk in general. And so then you go up and you say, Hey guys, it's great. Did you hear what happened? No, what happened? Well, I won't use names because it'd be gossip, but you know, the guy that all of you had lunch with at Carolina Roadhouse at two o'clock in the afternoon, about two days ago, you know, that guy, I'm not using names. This is what happened. And you tell it. In that moment, watch what happens. I transfer my trust and my faith from my God, which says, Terry, there's no good that can come out of that. In fact, there's going to be bad stuff that comes out of it. I know it feels good. I transfer that trust from him to in the moment, I want to be liked by my friends. I want to have information that they don't have. I want to be up for the moment. I want to be rise above the occasion. I want them to look at me and say, Oh, Terry, wonderful story. You just embody the wonderful spirit of our friendship. We love you. And that becomes our trust. And so our faith in that moment becomes affected. And so in those moments, there is far more at stake than you and I realize. Our relationship trust with God is affected And in that moment, Samson said, I don't trust you, God. I trust with what I like, and I want her now. There's a second thing that becomes affected, and that's your family. And I continue in this passage in Deuteronomy. It first says, do not intermarry, and then it continues on, and it shows some consequences. Take a look. For they, if you make the wrong choice, if you intermarry, they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. There was far more at stake for Samson in that moment. His faith was affected. But then if he marries this person, they have children that don't believe in an incredible God, which then affects his legacy, his lineage, his future generations. With every decision that you make, some of you in the moment, the future generations of your kids and your family can be affected. Do we think of that when we pause in the moment? Do we take seriously our family. I had a conversation this week with someone and we were talking about our kids. And whether you know this, I don't know if you know this or not, but in our kids ministry, we specifically want to partner with every parent. We don't believe it's our responsibility to raise your kids spiritually. That's not our responsibility. It's never been the church's responsibility. That's the parent's responsibility. 
And so it's our job as the church to come alongside of you as the parent to be able to provide resources and to provide knowledge and wisdom to help you have spiritual conversations with your kids so that spirituality doesn't happen compartmentally on a Sunday, but it happens in the day-to-day life moments between every decision Monday through Saturday. And so I was having a conversation, and I remember the individual looking at me and saying, you know, Terry, what are some of the things you do? And I, and I share, and I am not consistent as I want to be. I will just say that humbly before you. But one of the things that we try to do is to sit at the table and to be able to have conversations with our son before we start our day. And it's resources that we provide here at the church. By the way, if you're not getting a parent cue as a parent of an elementary or preschool parent, you're missing it. You should take that home every week and you should look for opportunities to engage in conversations with your kids. And so we try as much as we can to engage in those conversations. Why? Because we know every day is an opportunity to increase the faith of our kids. Our family's legacy is at stake. And now that I've just panicked every parent in the room, it's never too late to start. So if you're not doing anything, remember with every decision you make, the decision to go early to work to get a cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts or to spend five minutes having a spiritual conversation with your son or daughter, those five minutes and that decision can change the course of your family forever. There's far more at stake discernment. There's one more thing that's also affected, and that's your future. In that moment, Samson said, get her for me. He sacrificed his faith between him and God. He was sacrificing his future because he was marrying someone else and going to have kids that believed in other things. And then his future is going to be affected. How do I know? Take a look at this continuing on in that passage. If you do those things, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you will quickly destroy you. Now pause. This is Old Testament. So those of you who don't know God and goes, aha, mean God, he wants to kill us. No, 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 no. God was making a statement to say it's so important that you remember your family, your faith, and your future are at stake because if you make a decision and you cast all that aside, your future will be affected and your relationship with me will be affected. And it is far better for you to die than it is to live the life of consequences that you're going to face. And that is true in many of our cases. But watch what happens if we actually believe and trust in God. Watch what happens in the moment of decision, we have discernment and we trust God. Take a look at what God has to say about this. Continues on. If you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, the Lord your God, he'll keep his promise. He'll keep his covenant of unfailing love with you as he promised with an oath to your ancestors. He will, don't miss this, he will love you and bless you. He will give you many Children, And for that, he's talking to the multitude. He will not only love you and bless you, but your generations will be blessed. Your kids will be blessed. Your legacy will be blessed. He will give fertility to your land and your animals. He'll give you resources. When you arrive in the land, he swore to give your ancestors. You will have large harvests of grain, new wine and olive oil, and great herds of cattle, sheep, and goats. You will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men or women will be childless, and all your livestock will bear young. And the Lord will protect you from all sickness. In the moment of decision, when we look at God today, 2017, and say, God, 
I could easily choose this, which would make me feel much better, which would provide for my desire right now. But I'm going to pause and I'm going to choose what you want me to do. And because of it, God, I know you'll bless me. I know you'll love me. I know you'll protect me. I know you will bless my kids, my family, and the generations after me. Now, with all that unpacked, everyone in this room, we should all be looking and saying, I want that. I'll take that, God. And so when the next decision comes, I'm there. But how many of us have heard passages like this? And we are here today and we're thinking back and going, gosh, why don't I remember this? Why do I continue to make poor choices? Why don't I just trust God? Lou Holtz, former head football coach of Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the South Carolina Gamecocks. He was known as just very wise. And I was reading an article about him. And he actually talked about advice in discernment. And he actually talked about when he gives advice to his athletes. And I thought this was apropos to what we're talking about today. This is what he says. My athletes always follow my advice unless it conflicts with what they want to do. And that's really true for us, isn't it? We choose sometimes not to do what God wants because it conflicts with what our desires are. So if you're a note taker... I want you to really, really hone in. I believe there are seven enemies of discernment. I believe there are seven things that can derail us when we make a choice. No matter what the choice is, that we get into the moment, there are seven things that can absolutely move us off of God's path. So if you're taking notes, here's number one. Impatience. Impatience. Have you ever gone into a Best Buy and seeing that new electronic thing that you just love and you got to have. And then the salesperson comes over and says, oh, Terry, this is amazing. You like this? Yes, I would love to have this. Oh, it's a special today. In fact, there's only three minutes left on this special. I'm actually going to pull the card in three minutes and the price will go up by $300. So you, my friend, are blessed. You are here at the right moment. And so if you choose to buy this, your life will be blessed. You will be blessed. The generations will be blessed. But you've got to act now. You've got to do it now. Okay, sign me up. Whatever. Credit card. Here you go. Have you ever done that before? Where you walk out of an electronic store. Maybe I'm just talking about me. But you walk out of an electronic store and you go to your car and you're like, what did I just do? And why am I using this illustration when my wife is sitting in the front row? This is not smart on my part. But impulse control, many of us don't have patience. I put Captain America up there, and many of you are saying, you haven't heard anything I've said. You're just seeing Captain America saying, what about Captain America? Last night, my wife and I went on a date night. Honey, by the way, I'm using our date night as an illustration. I apologize in advance. I owe you $5. In our date night, we went out last night, and we decided we're going to go see Spider-Man. So we're at Spider-Man. And the movie ends. It was a great movie, by the way. And we get to the end. And all of a sudden, I, I lean over and Jennifer, she's about to get up and get out of the seat. And I look, no, 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 you cannot leave. This is, this is Marvel. And in Marvel, they always have at the end of the credits, they always have one more clip. And it gives you a clue. And it's juicy. And it's important. We've got to stay. We've got to stay. And she's like, really? Is it that important? Yes, yes, we've got to stay. So we're sitting there. Half the theater has already gotten up and they've already left. So half of us are sitting there. I'm like, and I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, see, see, a lot of people, they get it. They're smart like us. And so we're sitting there. And all of a sudden, another clip comes on. And it was juicy and it was good, but it was like halfway through the credits. And so then the clip ends and I'm like, ooh, see, I told you it was there. And then quickly I pull my phone out because I'm like, that was weird. It's usually at the end of the credits. It makes, they make you wait. So I'm, I'm Googling really quick on my phone and she's like getting up. All right, let's go. I'm like, no, 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 no. Ha ha. 
They have a second clip. We have to stay. She's like, oh, we have to stay longer? I'm like, yes, we have to stay. We're smart. Yes, stay, stay, stay. So we're sitting there. And we're waiting and we're waiting. And, and another quarter of the theater has already left. There's only a handful of us. I'm like, ha, 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 the smart people. We're going to get the juicy stuff. This is so important. And she's like, is it really going to be that important? Yes. It's groundbreaking, life-changing. we got to stay. So all of a sudden, the credits go all the way through and it ends. And Captain America comes up on the screen. And I turn to her and I go, ha, ha, told you, told you, told you. This is going to be great. So, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, there's going to be a new Captain America movie. This is the new Avengers movie. This is going to be juicy. Captain America looks and goes, patience. It's really important to have patience. You ever sit around and wait for a really long time, hoping that something really important would be said, and actually nothing is? Patience. It's good to have patience. Bye. And that was it. (laughs) To say that I was a little frustrated would be an understatement. But patience is important. Many of us, when we get into decision-making, we're not patient. And we have to make the decision in that moment. Pause. Pause in the moment. Number two, abuse of blank. And I put that there, and I have to put that there, because there are many of you that whether it's an abuse of alcohol, if you've ever been in a situation where you say, well, I was drunk. Abuse of pain medication. Whenever you succumb to an abuse of those things, when the moment of decision comes, it's very difficult to be discerning. And so an abuse of anything can cause heartache, can cost you your family, your faith, and your future. Anger. Anger jerks the steering wheel of life. Let me give you an illustration, and I, I never forget this. I was a pastor at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale for a lot of years, and I was in charge of all the Bible study classes, their time, and everything else. And it was Time Change Sunday. And there was a little lady, and she loved her Bible study class. She, she, everyone knew who she was. Um, she, every Sunday, whether she was sick as a dog or not, she was in, and she taught her Bible study class. Nothing would get away in the way of her Bible study class. She had been going to the church for years and she, everyone knew her as having great faith and consistency. And I'll never forget the Sunday, time change Sunday, when all of a sudden she walked through the glass doors into our large foyer. And when she walked in, she looked puzzled. She obviously forgot to set her clock. So she was thinking the hour, I can't remember what was before or after. I think it was, it would have been before. She forgot to set it before. So she's walking in and I could see her face from across the hall. And of course me, I do what all church leaders do. I start laughing because we realize and we make fun of the people who forget to set their clocks. Just so you know that, don't forget to set your clocks and we'll make fun of you. I'm just going to say that. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. But anyway, so all of a sudden she comes in and then I see her getting raged and she walks and she sees me and she makes a beeline towards me and she goes, Pastor Terry. I go, yes. And she goes, Who decided to change the time of our Bible study class? I am so tired of this. This decision was made. I didn't know anything about it. I I just don't understand why you have to make these decisions. I don't, don't understand why you have to change things. This is not acceptable. I've been coming to this church for 40 years, and I cannot believe. Now, me and you, she is laying into me in the hallway of the church. There are people standing by and going, 
Because this, this is a woman that has been a fixture for a lot of years, but her face is raging. She's laying into me, and I am trying to get a word in because I want to stop her because she is putting her foot in her mouth and she doesn't realize it. She gets done working me over. And I lean in and I go, I think you forgot to set your clock. What? Time change. It's actually, and I can't remember what time it was, nine o'clock. Thank you. That was it. Don't miss the point, though. What was sad is she lost every bit of respect from everyone around her in that moment. Anger jerks the steering wheel of your life. Anger will cause you to do things that will truly affect your family, your faith, and your future in ways that you never thought it could. It clouds your judgment. So anger is an enemy of discernment. Number four, lust. A desire of the flesh. A desire of what you don't have. A fixation. I put this definition. Lust causes people to ignore spiritual considerations. That in the moment of decision... When lust attacks and your family, your faith, and your future are at stake, in that moment, do you have enough wisdom to pause? And do you have enough wisdom to say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second? The danger of lust is it clouds, the desire clouds your thinking and causes you to forget spiritual considerations. Lust can tear you apart. Number five, greed. Greed is a desire for what you don't have. Greed is a coveting of something you don't have. That when all of a sudden in a moment you say, no, 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 God, I know that this is what you want me to do, but God, you don't understand the time frame. You don't understand the decision. I have to act now. And so because I have to act now, I'm going to go after it, God. Greed, all greed does is take your trust from God providing and puts it into your hands of saying, I'm going to provide. Be careful with greed. Because greed then says to God, I got this. I don't know about you, but I don't want to trust myself for my resources. I want to trust an incredible God. Now, he gives you a brain to be wise and make wise choices. But in a moment, don't sacrifice the moment because you desire in the moment to try and get ahead. Use the wisdom that God's given you in the moment. Number six, hatred. I've seen hatred tear apart churches. If you're not a Christian, I want you to sit and watch. Hatred can tear apart families. Hatred can tear apart businesses. Hatred can tear apart church. If you're an individual, and maybe you've gone through this, where all of a sudden the the seed of hatred comes in to where when you come into a room, you avoid sitting near a specific person because of the seed of hatred. That you fixate when you come in and all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, they used to be my friend. They see, look, they used to sit in that row and they moved three rows back. And I know why they moved three rows back. It's because I sit here and they don't want anything to do with me. See God, strike them. If you walk in and your focus is always negative about someone, no matter what they do, you can't find any positive. If you've ever looked at someone And no matter what, they could sit there and feed 
700 kids in an orphanage in three hours. And you look at them and you'll say, look how she's dressed. Hatred can cloud your decision-making in a moment and cause you not to make wise decisions. Last but not least, pride. Pride is the enemy of self-awareness. Pride is the icing on the cake. That when someone says, hey, tone it down. Hey, you're angry. Hey, you, you always get into modes where you're yelling and screaming. And you say, no, I don't. I don't yell and scream. Pride. Why do you always have to have that? I mean, you're being greedy right now. No, I'm not. I'm not greedy. You know, you've got to have some patience, you know. I mean, but no, I, I am patient. Don't you see that I'm patient? In those moments, pride is the icing of the cake. Pride closes the door. Pride closes the door to something that all of us need in the moment of decision. And here it is. I'm going to challenge you today. All of us need to crack open the door of self-awareness. All of us need to crack open the door of self-awareness. That in the moment we need to pause, in the moment we need to realize there are seven things that are attacking us. And in that moment, if we can say, God, there are seven things that are going to affect my decision. And in this moment, I've got to pause. And when I crack the door open of self-awareness, I'm going to do four things. If you're type A, you're loving this. Seven things and now four things. You've got to do four things in order to be self-aware. And I'm going to fly through these. And we're going to use the example of a man by the name of Joseph. In the Bible, if you're not a Christian, there's a man by the name of Joseph. He is blessed beyond measure. He is in Egypt, and he has been given total control of all the resources. He's been given total control of, the, of Egypt itself. And all of a sudden, he's going to find himself in a place where his master's wife is going to look at him and say, come have a sleepover with me. And all of a sudden, Joseph, in that moment of decision, is attacked by lust, attacked by greed, attacked by everything you can imagine. And in that moment, he's going to do four things which is going to help him to get out of that mess and make a wise choice. Number one, we all need to look around. In the moment of decision, we need to look around. Take a look at this in the life and the moment of Joseph. Watch this. But Joseph refused her. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. Joseph stopped and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I do this, look around me. Look how blessed I am. Look all that I have. Before I even consider this, I'm going to look around and see all that God's blessed me with. So the first thing Joseph does in the decision is he looks around. Many of you need to pause and look around. Number two, you need to look within. Take a look at what Joseph does. The next thing he says is, how could I do such a wicked thing? thing. How could I do such a wicked thing? After you look around and say how blessed I am, the next question out of your heart is, God, how could I do this? And if the answer is, I know, how could you do that? You need to run. So you look around, you look within. Number three, look forward. Many of you have got to look forward. Take a look at what Joseph does. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. Watch what Joseph does. He says, okay, let me just even consider doing this for a moment. You're my master's wife. I can't do anything with you. We can't have kids. That won't work. This is a dead end. If I make this decision, there's no future to it. And so I'm going to pause in the moment. I'm going to consider what's happening. 
It's not right. And I need to stop. And the last one, and I don't want you to miss this. It's where our focus needs to be. Number four, you need to look up. Watch what Joseph does. It would be a great sin against God. After you look around, after you look within, after you look forward, you look up and you say, God, how could I sin against you? I can't do that to my faith, my family, and my future. I wish Samson made the wise choice. But here's what Samson told his mom and his dad, which sets us up for next week. Take a look. But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. With every decision you make, your family, your faith, and your future is at stake. There are seven enemies that are going to attack you every time you make a decision. Will you battle that? And will you make the wise choice? Let's pray. Father, right now, I pray for hearts in this room. God, I pray for a spirit of discernment. I ask, God, that you would search all the hearts in this room, that in a moment, God, there would be repentance. In a moment, there would be thought, that there would be pauses, Father, that maybe there are individuals in this room that are heading down a road and that today you have caught their attention and today would be the day they turn and they go the opposite direction. God, speak to us in this moment. With all eyes closed and heads bowed in just a moment, Pastor Stephen is going to lead us in a song, and it's a reflection song. I want you to sit. I want you to listen. I want you to pray, and I want you to ask God, God, am I going down the right path? God, are you telling me that I need to pause? Are you telling me that I need to turn? God, what is it that you're trying to say to me? In this moment, follow Joseph's path and look up and listen to what he has to say. Father, may you bless this moment as we sit and we talk to you in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.